the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning, and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Flow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, can you believe it was 10 degrees this morning and we are going to almost... 40 degrees and sunny this weekend. I can't believe it. Just getting above freezing would be an event worth celebrating. But remember, soon it will be spring. I'm looking forward to seeing the robins and the red-winged blackbirds. The robins should return in, I'd say, two or three weeks. Last week, the robins showed up the last weekend, uh, last year, the robins showed up the uh, last week in February. And two years ago, uh, they showed up in the first week in March. So I don't see any uh, green shoots yet. But, hey, this has been a terribly hard winter. Uh, but I think we'll see them by next weekend. That's if the rabbits don't come along and, and chew them up. Typically, the rabbits come along like a lawnmower. <laughs> they got all the green shoots. And the last three weeks, with the snow and the low temperatures, have been brutal, so now I think everybody's getting ready to look forward to spring. Officially, it's four weeks away. March 20th is the exact date at the start of spring, and I had my to-do list of outside tours ready, and uh, whatever, it warms up and dries up a little bit. 
And until then, we can look at our investments and check out our financial plan. This week, equity markets were mostly mixed with ups and downs in just about every segment of the global market. In Asia, China was up, Japan was down. In Europe, uh, most everybody was down. In the United States, uh, some were up and some were down. It was mixed. And while the earnings results and the economic uh, reports this week were solid, uh, the increase in uh, interest rates over the last several weeks has caused some concerns about inflation. You know, the concern is that uh, all of the stimulus money might be driving uh, the inflation up. But uh, uh, there's other people that feel that uh, we can stand a little bit of inflation in any case, and it won't get out of hand. For example, the 10-year Treasury, it rose to 1.345% uh, this week, and it's, it was below 1% a month ago. Aside from that, equities have taken a breather in recent sessions this week after uh, powering higher for most of uh, 2021. You know, for a Wall Street Journal article, money managers see several reasons to stay cautious, ranging from uh, lofty valuations across parts of the market to the pace of the economic recovery. This week, even the weather was involved with the economic recovery with uh, large parts of the uh, southern Middle Plains and northern Mexico being overshadowed or overwhelmed by the polar vortex. That's uh, basically the polar vortex took sub-zero weather much farther south than normal. In other words, we in the Midwest are prepared for our solar, our uh, polar vortices events, but uh, this one went much farther south than normal, and these people in Texas and other places, even in uh, Louisiana, where the the, uh, swamps look like they were freezing up. So these people weren't prepared for it and were caught flat-footed. Uh, the polar vortex this week crippled uh, Texas's energy uh, grid, leaving more than 4 million residents without electricity during the peak of the uh, blackout. Many of them remained without heat in the sub-freezing conditions for days on end. And still, many investors remain upbeat about the future. Uh, they see the progress on the uh, $1.9 trillion stimulus package which will probably be passed uh, through this uh, budget reconciliation process and probably be passed and signed by mid-March. And mid-March isn't that far away. It's about three weeks away. And the, uh, also, they're uh, uh, impressed by the progress in vaccinations that have led to uh, uh, renewed expectations of continuing decreases in the COVID-19 cases and new cases per day and the deaths per day. Uh, according to the Bloomberg and uh, uh, John Hopkins University uh, database, COVID database, a month ago, new cases of COVID uh, stood at an average of about 225,000 new cases per day and about uh, 4,000 deaths per day. Uh, that's now down to 75,000 new cases per day. And I think the deaths per day is coming down. Uh, it isn't coming down as rapidly as the cases per day, but I think it's about 2,500 
desperate right now. And basically, the thing that's doing it is the uh, uh, the I think part of it is the, the distance, time distance from here to the holidays, and also a big part of it is the vaccination. So the vaccination pace nationally across the entire country is 1.6 million doses per day. And uh, if we take a look at uh, the vaccines, the vaccines are coming from Pfizer and uh, BioNTech, and that's one company, one consortium, and that makes one uh, vaccine, and Moderna, who is, uh, makes the other one. And Moderna is producing, uh, and probably Pfizer is doing the same thing, uh, is producing 30 million to 35 million doses uh, per month in February and March. And uh, they, Moderna, they say they expect to increase that to 40 to 50 million doses a month in uh, April and beyond. So, uh, so if we get that much vaccine, if we get them from, if both of them keep up that type of pr- production, uh, uh, we can get up to that uh, rate of 2.6 million. Right now, we're at 1.6 million doses per day. And uh, if we get to uh, uh, 40 million uh, doses a month from Moderna and 40 million doses a month from uh, Pfizer, then we're then we should be vaccinating at something like 2.6 million uh, doses per day. So, if we get to that point, then we can control the COVID by the end of uh, uh, September or end of uh, summer, and uh, that basically is the is the green light for the economy to get back to normal. If we can get it done at the end of July, so be it. Uh, what I'm think, what I think we're going to see in the springtime, is that uh, people will become more confident. People will, uh, a certain number of people who have contacted the, the COVID already, uh, will be immune to it, and then those vaccinated will also be immune to it, and we'll get to the point where uh, maybe in August uh, we're starting to see return to normalcy in terms of the restaurants, in terms of air travel and things of this nature. It won't happen overnight. You realize that, and I realize that too. But uh, you can visualize basically what's going to happen if we keep up and increase the pace that we're going at right now. I can't understand why we are not up to 2.6 million uh, vaccinations per day right now. So if we take a look at you know the the the, the things that have been operating on the, in the uh, the big picture in the uh, equity markets have been the uh, progress against the COVID uh, the epidemic and also the uh, the uh, stimulus and how the stimulus uh, is coming along in terms of when will we get the next uh, check. If you take a look at the stimulus, people are expecting a $1,400 check uh, soon after they get that bill signed. And like I said before, the expectation is for the uh, the middle of uh, March. So uh, 
I don't know when the 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 checks will actually come out because uh, what they're looking at is the middle of March being the date that the bill is signed. So there'll be a delay in getting the uh, checks out. Uh, this week, the Department of Commerce uh, reported that monthly sales for retail and food services for January uh, produced a welcome surprise in the sense that uh, U.S. shoppers opened their wallets in January. Uh, per the report, U.S. shoppers boosted spending by 5.3% in January, which is the first monthly increase in four months. And that was buoyed by uh, stimulus payments at $600 a month that uh, came out due to that uh, stimulus program, uh, that $900 billion stimulus program. It was signed into uh, law at the end of uh, December, and uh, consumers spent more in a number of areas, for instance, like furniture and electronics. They were both double digits. Um, I think one was 14, the other was 12. We'll get to the details of that later in the show. Uh, Receipts at bars and restaurants was up about 7% uh, from December, so uh, January was a case of uh, uh, people starting to spend, and uh, the U.S. Uh, retail sales, they just surged in the, to the most in seven months. And they, 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 the estimates were around 1.5%, but they, they came in at 5.3%, suggesting that the stimulus checks uh, helped uh, spur a rebound in the uh, Household demand following a, a weak fourth quarter. Like I said before, we'll get the details as to what went up and uh, uh, how much it went up uh, later in the show. And then we take a look at the housing market. Uh, the housing market is getting tighter. Uh, according to the National Association of Home Builders, existing home sales ticked up six tenths of a percent in January from. Uh, December and ticked up uh, 23.7% from January a year ago. So uh, demand has been strong uh, with uh, basically 70% of the homes sold in January were on the market for less than a month. And demand is pushing up the prices in the mid in the Midwest area. The National Association of Realtors Say the uh, median price for a single-family home was two hundred and twenty-seven thousand eight hundred dollars, and that was up fourteen point seven percent from uh, January a year earlier. And uh, if I take a look at nationally, uh, the median single-family home price stood at three hundred and eight thousand three hundred dollars in January, and that was up. 14.8% from a year ago. Uh, probably next week or the week after, we'll get the results from the uh, Case-Shiller uh, home price survey. And uh, Cleveland is on that survey, and they track, they've been tracking home prices for the last 30 years. And uh, I think I noticed the last time that uh, uh, Cleveland was up some something like uh, 10 or 11 yeah, not the, not the individual city, but the whole Cleveland metropolitan area. And 
we'll talk about the details of that later in the show. And uh, basically, new construction, new construction continues to barrel ahead. But from what we're seeing, uh, the data is somewhat confusing. So um, new construction may be reaching the its capacity limits. Uh, building building permits in January were up 10.4 percent from December and up 22.5 percent above. January a year ago, and uh, starts in January were down six uh, percent from December, and down two point three percent below January a year ago. So there's something funny happening in in the new home construction. Uh, we'll talk about the details, whatever we have later in the show. But I was talking to one of my clients in Florida. And uh, in her location, um, uh, builders cannot sell you a new home unless it is scheduled to start. I think it was, uh, I think she mentioned uh, six months. So if, uh, if you want to buy a home and uh, they can't get it started in uh, a certain period of time, uh, then uh, they can't sell you the home. And that's causing even more demand for homes in uh, basically different locations in the country. And the Federal Reserve, in uh, talking about manufacturing and industrial production, there was more good news there in the sense that industrial production for uh, January was up uh, uh, one nine-tenths of one percent. And uh, it's almost back to where it was before the uh, COVID-19 epidemic. Uh, it's basically 1.8 percent, basically two percent shy of uh, where it was in uh, February before the COVID last year. And if you take a look at how the Federal Reserve classifies industrial production, they look at manufacturing and uh, mining. And mining today is mostly uh, oil and gas exploration. And then they take a look at utilities and. Uh, from what they're seeing, manufacturing is up uh, uh, 1% in uh, January, and uh, which, again, indicates that uh, there's demand from consumers as well as demand from companies. Uh, I think last week or the week before, I indicated that the machinery orders were up uh, 3% in one month. And... Uh, uh, that's a big jump, and here they are. The Federal Reserve is uh, verifying that manufacturing is up one percent, the durable goods up nine tenths of a percent, and non-durable goods up one point two percent. Non-durable is well, durable is stuff like cars and washing machines, and non-durable is uh, food manufacturing and. Uh, uh, oil uh, refining and things of this nature. And then you've got mining was up 2.3%. And uh, uh, like I say, mining today is mostly uh, gas exploration and oil exploration. And then the utilities are down 1.2% so for the month. But uh, in any event, uh, industrial production is, is on a good path to recovery. And that's what we talked about before where those those parts of the economy 
that aren't exposed to the COVID, like restaurants and airline travel and all the rest of it, uh, they went into a deep decline uh, when the whole uh, whole uh, economy was shut down in March and April of last year. But uh, they've been recovering in a V-shaped recovery ever since. So um, they, they're with all, with this uh, from what we're seeing in terms of the stimulus and the money available. Even though people are out of work and unemployed in a large segment of the of the uh, of the economy, uh, the amount of money flowing around is probably equal to, or in aggregate, is probably equal to or greater than uh, if everyone was working. So there is uh, a lot of spending power out there, according to the uh, Federal Reserve. Uh, they just released the minutes of their meeting on uh, January 26th and 27th, and uh, they indicate that the uh, uh, officials noted softening uh, business activity, but also improving economic outlook. Uh, Federal Reserve, uh, this is from their uh, their uh, uh, copy that they produced to the. Uh, uh, to the uh, news people, uh, Federal Reserve officials broadly agreed at their most recent policy meeting that very low interest rates and continuing bond purchases would be necessary for the foreseeable future to aid the U.S. Uh, labor market. Federal officials agreed at the meeting to hold interest rates near zero, that's the federal funds rate. They also elected to continue increasing the Federal Reserve's holding of Treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities by at least $80 billion per month for the Treasury bonds and $40 billion a month for the mortgage-backed securities from that are guaranteed by the government, uh, Fannie and Freddie and, and other uh, Ginny May. Uh, the minutes of the Federal, Federal Reserve's January 26-27 meeting uh, showed policymakers expecting that the federal stimulus package approved in December and progress towards widespread vaccinations against the COVID-19 would improve the outlook for the economy, while some officials believed inflation would pick up in the coming months. Uh, they were skeptical that uh, price pressures would be persistent enough to prompt tighter monetary policies. In other words, Basically, what they're talking about is uh, with all this money floating around and people getting all enthusiastic and and uh, excited about the, the recovery from the, the epidemic, uh, that you might see a spike in uh, inflation, but they don't expect the spike uh, to be something that is lasting. They're going to refer to it as temporary and uh, keep their... Uh, interest rates low. Uh, there is a problem regarding the labor market, though, and the economists expect that the labor market will recover more slowly than the broader economy. And the forecasters surveyed by the Wall Street Journal this month raised their estimate for 2021 economic growth from their projections in January, but they reduced their expectations for 
the number of jobs likely to be created this year. They reduced it to 4.8 million from five from the previous five million. Uh, that would be basically half of the 9.6 million jobs that were lost since February of 2020. If you recall, then uh, when this whole pandemic started in February, uh, something like 20 million people hit the, hit the uh, bricks, and uh, suddenly 20 million people were unemployed. Of that number, approximately 10 million uh, basically returned to their previous jobs or a new job, and but there's still another 10 million out there that uh, uh, are waiting to get back to work. And their the Wall Street Journal is indicating that uh, during this 2021, approximately half of them uh, will get back to work. That still leaves 5 million people unemployed now. So this is not going to be, uh, the turnaround in the economy is not going to be, uh, uh, the turnaround in the labor market is not going to be as fast as the turnaround in the overall economy, uh, which is not good news, but uh, that's what they're predicting. And if you if you take a look at what's happening in the uh, unemployment, what you're seeing is that uh, according to the Department of Labor, uh, applications for U.S. state unemployment insurance jumped to a four-week high, indicating that the labor market is uh, suffering uh, fresh uh, setbacks, even as the coronavirus pandemic shows signs of uh, ebbing. Initial jobless claims in regular state programs totaled uh, 861,000 for the week ending February 13th, and that was up uh, 13,000 from the previous week. And the previous week's report uh, originally showed a decrease, but now they revised it to show a 36,000 increase in uh, new applications. So, uh, you know, they, they... the numbers are somewhat puzzling in that uh, the economy is showing other signs of stepped up growth in the new year. Uh, retail sales uh, up 5.3%, industrial production up uh, uh, 1%. And, uh, you know, uh, the getting the people back to work is still going to be a problem. And that's basically why the Federal Reserve and the federal government are so keen on keeping this monetary and fiscal stimulus uh, going until uh, they get the people uh, back to work. And if you take a look at uh, uh, one of the, the Federal Reserve's programs is to, in terms of the fiscal stimulus is to uh, augment the, the state uh, unemployment benefits. So you get your usual unemployment benefits in the state, plus you'll get, I think it's $300 extra a week from the federal government. In addition to that, there's another federal program, unemployment benefits program, and uh, that has uh, people who have uh, gone beyond the 27 weeks that are normally available from the state unemployment and continuing weeks claimed for the federal pandemic program that extends the duration of the unemployment benefits 
uh, fell to, they've got 4.06 million people uh, on that particular program. Uh, the latest data suggests that the labor market has a tougher road to recovery than previously thought. So while other parts of the economy are near or above pre-pandemic levels, millions of Americans are still without a job. So it's 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 tough out there, and it's one of the reasons uh, for this uh, stimulus. And even though there could be a lot of discussion about, well, is the stimulus program too much? Is it going to the wrong people? Is it uh, helpful? Well, I think the uh, basically the experts in the Federal Reserve and in the government feel that uh, better to be too much than too little. Uh, it's one of those things, well, let's get it done, and then we'll try to think two years from now, we'll try to figure out uh, how we're going to, uh, you know, stabilize the situation, so to speak. So this is Jim McAuley, and you're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, we do have a toll-free number that you can give us a call on. It's one 888 281 and uh, you can you can uh, get, you know I'm talking here about uh, what's happening in the economy and sometimes I talk about what's happening in the global economy and how this affects your investments and what we're seeing so far is that uh, uh, there are hardships. There are hardships in Texas with this uh, solar vortex. There's hardships in in uh, that part of the economy that's exposed to the coronavirus, the airline travel, the restaurants, the uh, sports and the theater and things of this nature. And But the other part shows that uh, uh, the major part of the economy is progressing back to where it was before the uh, COVID. And uh, uh, that has to, you know, what we've all learned from this episode, this sudden shutdown of the whole economy in March and April of last year was that uh, uh, things can happen out of the blue and you have to have some uh, preparation for it. You have to have some emergency funds. You have to have some plan as to uh, what happens if you're out of work for a while. Uh, You have to have some plans as to how you're going to achieve your goals in life, uh, and different people in different parts of their lives have different goals. Um, people coming out of college, they're looking for a, an, a, an apartment and a, uh, a car. Uh, people that, uh, uh, when their kids are 17 or 16 or 17 years old, are thinking about uh, education and how that is going to be uh, affordable or not affordable and how that's going to happen. And then uh, once you get above uh, uh, 45 or 50, once you get to a position where uh, hopefully the kids are out of the house, uh, they're all finished their education, the house is paid for, and uh, suddenly you're rich. Uh, And uh, and you suddenly remember that, well, uh, we're going to retire in in another... uh, 15 or 20 years, and we have to have enough money uh, to be able to retire on, in addition to uh, 
what we have in Social Security and maybe pensions and stuff like that. So uh, then you have to really get serious about uh, your retirement plans. So throughout life, you do have to keep track of your goals and you do have to fund your different funds to make sure that you're paying attention to how to get the down payment for the house, how to get the uh, how to educate the youngsters, how to keep up the standard of living, uh, new car or used car or, or uh, retirement. And uh, all these things require attention, which most people don't want to pay. <laughs> they don't want to pay too much attention because the, the news is not good news. So what you got to do is start paying attention. You can give us a call. We're here. It's uh, the the uh, uh, toll free number is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. So now stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese, and I'd like to comment or compliment uh, Colleen on her selection of the music. That gets us going here. Gets us in the in the mood. You know, I'm, I'm looking out the window here at the snow and the sun shining on the snow, and uh, it's absolutely beautiful out there. And what we need is something to get us going and and. Uh, Get, get us revved up. So good, good choice, Kelly. <laughs> did we have a question somewhere? Yes, we did, Jim. We did. We had one from Donna, and she asked, "What are the rules for the non-spouse beneficiaries of retirement accounts since the new law took effect?" Great question. Okay, uh, they're fairly simple, you know, in terms of the. Uh, the, the SECURE Act, uh, that basically did away with the stretch IRA for most people, um, you know, who are uh, non-spousal beneficiaries who inherited an IRA or Roth IRA or 401k or 403b. Uh, they replaced it with uh, this 10-year uh, post-death uh, payout rule. So 
used to be able to, uh, in fact, the, the estate planning uh, process, the normal process, would be uh, to give a certain portion of the uh, IRAs to uh, the spouse, and then when the surviving spouse, and then when the surviving spouse passed the passed on, uh, to give it to the uh, the children, and uh, let's say the children would get it when they're 50 years old, and they could stretch it out until uh, their normal retire their normal uh, uh, life expectancy, which for a 50 year old might be in the 80s. So they could start stretching out for another 30 years. But uh, Congress changed that uh, basically to save money. And uh, uh, I'm sure people were talking about being fair and all the rest of the stuff. But it was basically to save money. And uh, uh, the, the, uh, the idea here is that some people, the, the, the essence of, of the Issues with regard to the Secure Act is um, how about who's exempt from this 10 year? Well, uh, first designated beneficiaries, such as spouses, are exempt from it. They don't have to go for the 10 year rule. Uh, spouses take it over and they use their age and their required minimum distribution and they, they do exactly what the uh, uh, the, the other spouse, the deceased spouse, did. Uh, minor children, uh, minor children aren't uh, subject to the 10-year rules until they get to a certain age. So when a, a minor child or a trust for a minor child, uh, they're, they're named as the beneficiaries, uh, the 10-year clock uh, begins to run when they get to be the age of majority. And uh, in Ohio, that's 18. So uh, if they're 10 years old, then uh, uh, they're on the stretch program until they get to be uh, uh, 18. At that point, they're on the 10-year program. Also, uh, the the people that aren't aren't, uh, covered by the 10-year restrictions are people with disabilities. Uh, they go under the old program, chronically ill individuals uh, who are expected to live a long time, and and they have to be uh, taken care of. The individuals who are not more than 10 years younger, uh, for instance, a partner, a friend, a sibling that inherited it, uh, they're not, uh, uh, tenure doesn't apply to them. And uh, uh, if you inherited your IRA before 2020, your beneficiary IRA before 2020, then the the old rules apply. So you're grandfathered, and then uh, anybody that uh, inherited it after 2020, then these new new rules apply. So uh, in the case of the 10-year, time window, there's no required minimum distributions, and the entire account could be liquidated in the 10th year after the year of death. So uh, they could leave their assets in the inherited uh, IRA for up to 10 years and just take income as needed over the decade. However, 
at the end of the 10th year, following the year of death, any funds remaining in this uh, inherited IRA would have to be distributed. So, and uh, it's the usual uh, 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 rule, 50% uh, penalty rule. So, needless to say, you're going to get your money out of there after the 10 years uh, rather than suffer a 50% penalty. So, um, I'm glad Donna asked the question. Uh, so, uh, what happens is that uh, it's rather straightforward for, for most people. So, if you got any questions, Donna, give us a call. Uh, a lot of times people call when they're on the road and they can't uh, stay on the phone. But uh, if you get somewhere, just give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Now, stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm being silly. <laughs> Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. And one of the things I mentioned earlier was this uh, uh, retail sale, which was a real nice surprise. In other words, if I take a look and say, okay, uh, the, uh, you know, the Department of Commerce has put out this report. It talks about... Uh, uh, what's happened in retail sales and food services and all the rest of the stuff. And since September, uh, the numbers have been negative. For instance, like the last positive number we had, other than the number we just got for January, uh, I go back to September, and in uh, September of last year, there was a 1.6% increase. But then in October, there was a decrease of uh, one-tenth of a percent in November. There was a decrease of 1.4%. In, in December, there was a decrease of 1%. And voila, in January, we saw an increase in 5.3%, which was a, a nice surprise. So it basically, in normal times, uh, we would basically see uh, an increase of about... Uh, three-tenths of a percent uh, per month in the uh, uh, increase in the sales, or maybe like 4% per year. But here we saw 5.3% in, in one month. And the reason for that is because we have uh, several things going on at the same time. We've got the COVID, and uh, that was restricting people starting in the early part of uh, October. The COVID cases began to ramp up. And then in uh, uh, in the terms of the fiscal programs, uh, the money from the original uh, CARES Act that was uh, signed off in March, uh, that money basically ran out in September of uh, last year. And then um, October, November, December were kind of dry uh, months until the $900 billion, uh, the next fiscal, a $900 billion bill was passed, at which point that distributed $600 checks. And also uh, the payroll protection plan was reinstituted with $350 billion. And 
that kept a lot of a lot of workers uh, employed uh, and a lot of businesses uh, together too. So uh, both of those things contributed to the uh, uh, the dry period, call it October through December, and suddenly now we're into the point where uh, people are getting released from the COVID uh, lockdowns, and also uh, you're seeing uh, more fiscal stimulus go out there. So uh, last year, you know, we, we basically saw the, the uh, effect of that. And then uh, uh, another stimulus package that's likely in March, we should see a pretty rapid acceleration in demand in household spending as we move into the second quarter. And uh, that should could be continued if uh, vaccinations keep uh, pace. And uh, with vaccinations, the mobility of the people uh, increases, and you suddenly start to see more uh, theater, more uh, sports, more restaurants, and things of this nature. In the airlines, the, the their projection is that the air flight uh, for the casual uh, passenger uh, will start as soon as the as soon as the second quarter of next year, but for the business traveler, it'll probably take another six months to a year to pick up the the uh, business traveler's uh, 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 thing that was cut there. Just to give you an idea where the uh, big jumps were in uh, January, uh, furniture and home appliance uh, furnishings uh, went up 12% in January, in January from, from December to January. Uh, electronics. 14.7%. Uh, department stores, uh, 23.5%, which is unusual because uh, department stores have really been suffering uh, lately, you know, because of the, the non-store, uh, because of the internet uh, buying power. So uh, non-store retailers, that went up uh, 11% in food services, and drinking places that went up seven percent. So uh, the numbers are, are really surprising, to say the least. So, which is a good surprise for once. Uh, and then again, we take a look at uh, other good things that have happened uh, are happening right now, and that's existing home sales. And uh, existing home sales was up uh, six tenths of a percent uh, month to month. That's according to the National Association of uh, Realtors. And uh, uh, for uh, the uh, seasonably adjusted annual rate of uh, home sales was $6.69 million in January. And uh, uh, sales in total climbed 23.7% uh, from a year ago. So uh, Lawrence Young, who was their chief economist of the National Association, uh, quote, um, he says, uh, home sales continue to ascend in the first month of the year as buyers quickly snatched up virtually every new listing coming on the market. Uh, sales easily could have been 20% higher if there had been more inventory and more choices. So, uh, unquote. So they, he, he's indicating that, hey, uh, there, there's not that much inventory out there. And uh, the demand 
is also driving up the prices. If you take a look at the median existing home price uh, for all houses, and that includes uh, single-family condos and co-ops and stuff like that, it was $303,900, which is up 14.1% from a year ago, from January a year ago. So, uh, and, and he also continues, Lawrence Young, uh, quote, home sales are continuing to play a part in propping up the uh, economy with additional stimulus likely to pass and several vaccines now available. The housing outlook looks solid for the rest of the year. Uh, he also elaborated and he expects uh, more jobs to return, which should spur homeowners in the coming months. Uh, he uh, expects the, uh, uh, the uh, number of houses trading uh, hands in uh, 2001 to be about six and a half million in 2021. And, uh, and he expects uh, the interest rates for the mortgages, 30 years mortgage, will begin to creep up. And, uh, and we, we've been seeing that in uh, uh, the last couple of months. And they've been up, they haven't been jumping up, but they've been creeping up. And uh, one of the things you're seeing in terms of the availability or the inventory is that uh, the unsold inventory is now down to 1.9 months, less than two months supply at the current uh, sales price. And that's down right now. It's, it's two months supply, less than two months. Uh, last year, a year ago, it was three months. So. It's going down, and uh, the houses are moving. And uh, as I mentioned before, seventy uh, percent of the houses that were sold in January were on the market for less than a month. So, uh, big help in the existing home sales is the low mortgage rates. According to Freddie Mac, the average commitment for a thirty-year conventional fixed-rate mortgage was two point seven four percent in January, and that's up from 2.68 in December. So for all of for 2020, the average was 3.11. So the rates are have bottomed out, and uh, they may start to go up a little bit at a time. So uh, if you're looking at the uh, um, the median home price is right now for a single family home nationally at 308,000. 300, and that's up 14.8%. If you focus on the Midwest, then the median is 227,800, but it's still up 14.7%. And like I said before, um, next week we'll probably get to Case Shiller, which will be much more specific with regard to the uh, the uh, what we're seeing in uh, uh the Cleveland area rather than the Midwest or, or the national area. So uh, the new home construction is barreling forward, and uh, but it's running into you know operational problems and operational constraints. Uh, what you're seeing in new home construction is that uh, a lack of experience, a lack of experience help. Uh, um, the you know, doubling of the price of lumber, uh, the supply chains are slowing down in terms of 
uh, the hardware for construction, uh, the schedules are slipping out, and uh, uh, you're seeing a tremendous increase, a 10% increase in the uh, permits for new housing, uh, but then the starts are down, uh, I think they're down 6%. So what you're seeing is maybe the, the uh, home construction industry is basically run into a, a roadblock in terms of, uh, hey, we're producing them as fast as we can, and uh, uh, we can't produce them any faster. We don't have the lots. We don't have the people. And uh, we're afraid that the uh, prices are going to get to a point, get to get to a point where the houses houses will be unaffordable. So, uh, and the, the builders' confidence is way up. Um, the National Association of Home Builders represented reported for February. Uh, while builders of single-family homes are confident in the industry, they're concerned about rising costs, delayed schedules, and and uh, basically operational. Concerns, and that was that was that was put together by uh, Wells Fargo Housing Market Index. They've been they've been doing that for forever, and uh, what you're seeing is that the economy is in is in good shape. Not good shape. I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. It it's developing very very well in terms of coming out of this uh, COVID situation, and. Uh, that's that's um, a good sign. That's a good sign for the stocks. That's a good sign for the economy. Uh, hopefully, that's a good sign for the unemployed too, in a sense that uh, uh, there will be jobs. And uh, like this year, they're talking about an additional five million jobs uh, that'll cut the amount of the number of unemployed in half. So those are things to look forward to. This is Jim McAuliffe. You're listening to uh, Get Rich Slow. You can give us. No, you can't give us a call. <laughs> it's too late. We're going into the ending. Hey, this is Jim McAuliffe. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Well, we made it through another week of winter with it's bone-chilling cold, how will we ever get to the spring? Well, I suppose we'll get there one step at a time and don't give up. That's called perseverance. These are the things we learn as we go through life. Each of us has a laundry list of valuable lessons that basically lessons that work for us. Uh, Things like, when I have a problem, sometimes it's me. Another is, growing old is inevitable but growing up is optional. And then there, there is no key to happiness. The door is always open. And to solve any problem or to reach your goal, you do not need to know all the answers in advance, but you do have to have a clear idea of the problem or the goal that you want to reach. Yes, you do have to know where you are going. You do have to think about it and think about it hard. And also, remember, don't procrastinate when faced with big, difficult problems. What you do is break the problem, give it a part, handle one part at a time. That's the way to do it. 
And also remember, the most important things in our homes are the people. So don't hurt them. Remember that if you get up the courage to begin, you have the courage to succeed. It is a job that you never start that takes the longest to finish. And don't worry about what lies dimly in the distance, but do what lies clearly ahead. Also remember, a grudge is a heavy thing to carry. So drop it off as soon as you can. Also remember that the biggest opportunity is where you are right now. And once you begin, then you are half done. Also, we know that we do not remember days, but rather moments. And life moves too fast. So what you do is take the time and enjoy your precious moment. Remember, nothing is real to you until we experience it ourselves. Otherwise, it's just hearsay. It's all right to sit on your pity pot every now and again, but just be sure to flush when you're done and get on with it. And know that surviving and living our life successfully requires courage. The goals and dreams we seek require courage and risk-taking. Learn from the turtle. It only makes progress when it sticks out its neck. And then everyone has their own habits of wisdom and use them every day. So live by your wisdom and wits. And until we meet again next week for more Get Rich Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.